Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% off your jig order. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the final cast. I'm your host, Josh. I'm Brian. I've got uh, Brian on the hot seat tonight, so um, we, we've we been kind of slacking on our fishing between the two of us compared to everybody else. We haven't been uh, hitting up the product review stuff, so I kind of wanted to ask Brian a little bit about his tournament season, um, kind of like, like we want to do a review of basically of what KBF was for Brian. Um, you know, his highs and lows during the season. Um, I know he's mentioned some of it on some of the other podcasts. You just did that podcast with uh, Josh um, with Chronicles of a Badass Dad. And oh, yeah. You talked a little bit about that. So I kind of wanted to dive into it some more. I don't fish tournaments very often. Everything I've done so far has been pretty much a little tiny local stuff. So, <clears throat> but. I know you and I have become pretty close friends and we talk on a regular basis and, you know, I've, I've kind of talked to you and seen you at your highest and your lowest kind of during the season. So I just kind of wanted to see what, you know, like where you're at now, what you see in the future and, you know, um, you know, and your thoughts and opinions on it to kind of give everybody like a little bit of light of what goes into doing this, you know, from what I understand, it's not all, you know, not all positive all the time so you know so you know and it's a, in, in my eyes the whole kbf thing is a product you know chad's a businessman and he um you know he started kbf and it's exploded you know and from what you know we've all read and everything it's all there's always a lot of hate you know there's a lot of not a lot i can't say there's a lot there's haters out there on it but there's a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Obviously, not everybody's on each other's levels, but 
you have a unique experience, I think, especially for being a rookie this year with it. So I think it'd be a, a good idea to get um, like your opinion on it, what you thought. Sure, sure. The first year so. Well, I'm going to preference this like you just said. Uh, KBF is a product. It's a business. Um, you know, I don't 100% agree with everything KBF. I don't think anybody does. Um, but, but that's an opinion, right? Um, everybody's going to have ideas and stuff like that. And, and I will say before we get started, like I appreciate Chad Hoover. I appreciate everything he's done, uh, for the sport, uh, for the tournament, um, series, uh, every, everything like that. You know, he, he has offered something for everyone from a beginner to to a professional level now right um right so i i mean i i do have some some opinions uh i will voice them um after you know wrapping up this rookie season and stuff and it's in no way to to knock the kbf or any other tournament organization um so I just want to preference that before we, we get into this deep, um, just because I am going to have some opinions and such, um, but I, I in no way am trying to knock KBF, so I just want to start off with that. Um, and, and and some of the stuff is so minuscule, I'm, I'm just preferencing, right. preferencing this because I don't want it to turn into, oh, Schiller over there at Paddle and Fins, like knocking down KBF. That is not at all uh, what I'm saying or trying to do or anything like that. I'm just throwing it out there so it doesn't turn into that, so to speak. So, Right. And, you know, with anything, I mean, you can't buy, sell, have anything these days, and there's a pros and there's cons on everything, whether you're buying baits, buying rods, buying reels, buying kayaks. So like we just talked about, man, it, it KBF is a product where the consumers, yep. you know, yep. and, you know, and without, you know, and without us exposing cons to this thing, man, it doesn't get improved upon, you know, sure. That's, sure. Any, any good business has in a sense, some sort of customer service or some kind of, you know, some kind of body that reviews over what's been going on and they sure. shoot to make it better and if you don't listen to what is you know potentially wrong with it you'll never make improvements and then eventually you will lose customers because you're sitting in the same in the same boat you began with so and, absolutely. and you know and absolutely from what i've seen the little bit of kbf stuff that i know about and that I, i've become familiar with you know, there's been improvements made every year since its inception, you know. Sure, so, sure. And that's and, just it. Like, kayak bass fishing tournaments are still young. It's in its infant stages. Um, you know, so so that's the thing, you know. As, as it's getting larger, some, some stuff is getting changed around and things like that. So, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. You got to test the waters and things like that. So, um, but, yeah, so... Where do you want to start? Well, let's start at the beginning, man. Um, well, you know, I know. I, well, here, let me kind of go into this. I knew, I know that you're actually relatively new to kayak bass fishing. Like, I think I've actually technically been doing it longer than you have, but sure. you are a much, much, much more experienced in bass fishing itself. 
Um, I know you fished in boats. You fished with your father and that sort of thing. And you grew up doing this. I did not. Um, yeah. I didn't get started till when I got my well. I started probably about six to seven years ago, and it took a couple of years of weight fishing, and I finally got my my first kayak. But I want to know, like, let's start out where you just thought of the idea, man. Like, I want to get in this tournament game, you know. You got tornado siren going off or something? That's my wife currently deciding it's a good idea to vacuum clean right above my head. Oh. Which means my two boys probably spilled or dumped something all over the ground. Sorry. I, I was wondering if you should run into the tornado shelter or what. <laughs> to, to, to be honest with you, where I'm at, it's the safest place in the house. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> well, the, in the basement right in the center. <laughs> let's proceed. Um, yeah, no, no, no. You're good. I just, I just wanted to make sure it sounded like a tornado siren going off. Um yeah, so I've, I've been bass fishing since I was a kid. Uh, I fished a lot out of, well, here, let's go back. So we'll go back. Um, in my teenage years, before I had a driver's license, I had a little inflatable boat. I would go bass fishing out of with my buddy. Uh, when I got my driver's license, I got a 15-foot Coleman canoe. I would fish out of that. Uh, my old man had a 20 foot skier, uh, when I was in my teenage years, he used to fish, uh, a bunch of bass tournaments. So I would go pre-fish with him. Um, you know, uh, into my early twenties, fished out of that canoe, fished from the bank. Uh, as I got older, I bought boats, fished from them. Uh, I fished walleye tournaments, uh, smaller bass boat tournaments locally, things like that. Um, and then, yeah, eventually found a kayak. Um, I've only been kayak fishing for what, two years now. Um, so last fall, you know, uh, after I got into this whole paddle and fin game, uh, saw the tournament series, things like that. Um, you know, saw kind of what was going on around the community and, uh, you know, part of the decision was, yeah, I wanted to make a name for myself. Uh, so I decided to fish the tournaments. Uh, Hoover announced the pro tour. Uh, this was like the trial run this year. Um, I will be the first to admit, I probably shouldn't have been able to fish the pro tour just because it was my rookie year. Um, however, you know, uh, I think, you know, looking at it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ranked like top 30 in the nation right now. I think, I think I'm in like 28th or something like that. Uh, so I guess obviously like with that being said, I've, I've kind of proven myself. I'm up there with a lot of big names. Um, but you know, last fall I made the decision I was going to do this. Uh, I, I will, full heartedly admit yeah some of it was to promote the paddle and fin name uh a lot of it was to promote myself and see where i stood within the community of competitive angling um so i got kind of excited you know um i had kind of set forth to fish a ton of tournaments uh this year uh i i am a member of kayak bass league which is uh, my local club here I think I only fished 
uh, one event, uh, which was at the beginning of the season. Uh, I did fish one event for another local club, uh, Great Lakes Kayak Fishing, that uh, Susie actually helps run both of those clubs. Um, but, uh, yeah, my year kicked off with a kayak bass league tournament getting canceled. However, the day before the weather was supposed to get nasty was the Great Lakes event. So I fished that with Jay Randall. Um, <coughs> I forget. I think I came in like sixth or eighth or something like that. It's top ten. Um, and and then let's talk about that for a minute. So, you know, my main goal was to to just finish in the top ten with every tournament. Uh, I'd say I've done decent with that, but not all tournaments have been top ten, especially the last few. Uh, but mm -hmm. we'll get into that. But, um, you know, so I finished uh, 10th place for, for the makeup event for KBL. Uh, then we went uh, the, the first KBF tournament I fished was out in Kansas the end of April. Uh, I took 10th, 10th in the trail and I think it was like 4th, 3rd or 4th in the pro. Um, but pretty much the central division, all the pro tour events, uh, with the exception of St. Clair, um, only had like 10 or less anglers in it. So we kind of struggled up here in the central to have, you know, a pro tour. However, I know, uh, out in California, I don't think they even had any pro events because they only had like two guys sign up something like that mm -hmm. um but you know there was an interview i did on the reel down i think it was with brad hicks and we talked to kurt smits and you know it, it, it's funny like you know you take like a top three finish in the pro however you had other people finish ahead of you in the trail so it almost doesn't feel right mm -hmm. um but you know i started out the season i did I did that Kansas event and then immediately from there went over to Tennessee and fished the first ever FLW KBF Open. Um, you know, so I was on the road for a week and a half, um, basically all by myself. I, did, I, I met Sam Jones and Alan Reed at Kansas. Uh, we talked a little bit, uh, talked at the weigh-in. Uh, talked a little bit out at um, the Open uh, in Tennessee, but we really didn't become friends till like right after that. So, you know, being on the road by yourself for a week and a half, dude, is just kind of brutal. I mean, I did yeah. have one day where, uh, uh, shout out to Austin from Southern Lake Company, came down and fished with me. He was picking up a boat from me. Um, so that was like, you know, the day and a half of like being around somebody that I somewhat knew, you know, and being able to talk to somebody and enjoy some time on the water. You know, when you go to a tournament, you always get there early. You want to pre-fish and pre-fish is scanning the lake, uh, dialing in the fish, figuring out what they're eating, where they're staged up, things like that. So, 
you know that's a that's a, a a common comment that gets brought up to me all the time you know to people that don't know much about fishing or you know kayak fishing and stuff like this and they're like oh you know brian's on vacation again you know just uh out there fishing and it's it's not necessarily a vacation man it's a it's a lot of work um I forget where I just talked about this recently. Maybe it was that uh, Chronicles of a Badass Dad podcast. But, you know, you're going to the location. You get there. You go out pre-fishing. You're pre-fishing from basically sunup to sundown. Uh, you grab a bite to eat. You re-rig for the next day. Load up your gear with the uh, some different baits, things like that. Go to bed and you wake up and do it all over again it's work man and i remember so if you go way back in the paddle and fin archives i think it was like probably our fourth episode fifth episode ever uh we did an interview with a good friend of mine scott purse uh he fishes uh the walleye tours and that's uh you know some of the walleye tournaments i've done have been with him and uh I used to give him a hard time. Oh, yeah, you're out fishing, you know, just having a good old time. And he's always like, man, this is work. Like, you have no idea. And, I, I mean, I did know, um, you know, because I would go pre-fish tournaments with him. But it wouldn't be like every couple of weeks hitting the road and doing it. Right. And that's the thing, man. Like, it, it'll wear you down, especially when you got a tournament that's, well, like Kansas and, and and Tennessee, that was that was a grind, dude. I remember I got home and I slept for like a day and a half just to catch up on sleep and get some rest and rejuvenate myself. But, um, you know, you got a tournament and then two weeks later you got another one, man. And it's like obviously between those you got normal life work crap. And, and granted, like – you know me personally i do a lot of stuff and uh yeah almost let that one slip uh i do a lot of stuff man you know between paddle and fin podcast uh tournament fishing um i work at rocktown adventures part-time uh that ranges anywhere from 15 to 20 hours a week uh, I work my normal job that ranges anywhere from 40 to 50, even 60 hours a week. Um, and it's hard to find time, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. like like today, this is Sunday, we're recording this. This is like my first day I've had nothing to do for like weeks. And I interrupted it? No, it's it's cool, like... You know, I I still got to edit and upload podcasts today. So, you know, with all that being said, all this stuff I got going on. See, it used to not be as bad. And, I, and I'm not complaining right now. But, um, you know, when it was one show a week, the OG show uh, or the original show, you know, it wasn't as much. But now that we're running five, sometimes six episodes a week that's added a lot more work to it you know what i mean so yeah. like at the beginning you were like yeah you and i have been slacking on fishing well that's pretty much where it comes from right and i know we're yeah. kind of getting off the tournament subject but 
Uh, no, but it it all ties in them yeah. together because I mean it's. I mean, when you think about it, when you go to fish a tournament, dude, you're plugging, you're 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 shooting to plug in at least four days. Yeah. Into that, yeah. you know, so like <clears throat> that's a significant amount of time. I mean, we're both fathers. We both have two kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. You know, I work, I work a crazy job in which I have a swing shift. So every two weeks, <clears throat> I switch shifts, and I got two little ones on top of that, and you know, it's just. It's tough, man. Yeah. Uh, it's tough yeah. for me to even just find nor- regular time to get out and fish, you know. But, <clears throat> you know, but I wouldn't change anything the way it is. I, I love the way my life is. I love having kids. I love having a family. And, you know, but I just, I like, you know, with the, the tournament type of deal, man, it's, it does. On the outside, it looks very, I don't want to say glamorous. Sure. It looks like a whole lot of fun. It does. You know, I'm, it a, does. I'm a bass fisherman and I'm like, man, I love to get out for four days on the water like that too. Well, I just went to Dale Hollow though and I did the same. I did that in a sense, just minus the tournament aspect of it. But I was also super glad to get home and see my family and, sure. you know, that sort of thing. So, well, it's, I, yeah, I think ahead. that's where I'm kind of going with this is like I'm preferencing a lot of the work that goes into it. And, and so, like you just said, you know, you were at Dale Hollow for, what, four days or whatever, and you were happy to get home. But when you add that competitive edge to, to that whole four-day grind, it's a lot different. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've – dude, I couldn't begin to tell you the amount of stuff I've learned uh, just from fishing this season – so let's 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 go back. So Kansas top ten finish, great, achieve my goal. Uh, I was on a high, dude, because um, I got top ten at that uh, at that Great Lakes event. Got top ten in the KBL event. Go to my first national event, get top ten. Go to FLW KBF Open. Pre-fish for a week, slam fish, dialed fish in like good fish. That that would have, no doubt, if my bite that I was on all week uh, would have put me in top ten. Uh, you know, I've never said that publicly. I don't think, but that bite I was on, uh, it was like a seventeen to eighteen inch average that would have put me in top ten. Uh, but day one, lose my phone. Uh, due to a fish hitting it, whatever we've we've heard that story numerous times on this podcast and other places. Um, so right there, that was a lesson. Like, keep your phone tethered, dummy. You know. So, um, what's that? Especially when you actually have one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So, so. No, my phone from the time I leave shore till the time I get offshore is tethered uh, now. So, I mean, that was a good, valuable lesson. That was a rookie mistake, dude. Like, and that, that cost me. I mean, I and, and here's the other thing, too, right? Like, I still caught five fish or submitted five fish that day, um, which was good. Um, I submitted five fish both days. Uh, yeah, they weren't great fish, but... 
you know, after day one and this whole phone mix up and being on the road for so long, I was like, I should just go home, dude. I get home a day early and this and that. But I didn't give up. I stuck it out. Uh, I fished it out. Caught my fifth fish. Day two, stayed, tried to upgrade. I think I did upgrade once, maybe twice. Um, but either way, dude, I put up 10 fish. I competed with some of the best. Yeah, I, you know, made some bonehead mistakes, and that cost me what could have been really good, uh, really good finish. And uh, it was what it was. Um, go home. I missed the next event, which was St. Clair. Um, I was super frustrated, though. Um, kind of beat myself up. Like, how could I be so dumb? And and that was part of it, too. Like, I had one of those waterproof cases tethered to my vest that day. But I didn't like it. It got in the way, uh, made the pictures kind of foggy. So I took my phone out. So I really beat myself up over that. Not only that, it cost me about a thousand bucks for a damn new phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but, I mean, I understand where you would think that way because I mean, if you're using it, it's when you fish and just in general, let alone a tournament's just going to compound this feeling. But sure, you want to be confident. You want to be okay with everything, all your gear. If there's something that's going to bother you, right? It's going. In my in my eyes, I would see that that would that would hinder your performance in this tournament. You know, if you know, oh man, this stupid, this stupid phone case, man, every time I try to take a picture, it looks crappy, you know, and there you are snapping 20 pictures of the same fish. Cause sure, you sure, can't, sure. you know what I mean? And then every, with every picture, you run the risk of that fish flopping off or, you know, so yeah. It, yeah. I get it. You know, it, it's, I, from the outside looking in, I could see why you'd beat yourself up on it, but I can also see why you made that decision not to utilize it. You sure, know? sure, sure, sure. It became a hindrance to you. Right, so. right, right. Well, you know, come home, miss St. Clair, which I think was a good thing, man. It gave me some time to think about uh, what had happened on that big, long stretch, uh, things I could change, things I needed to change. You know, because that was the thing, too, was, um, you know, the weather pattern changed, and I didn't have backup spots. I mean, I did, but I didn't. Uh, they were kind of far from each other. Um, yeah. So, you know, that really hindered me. And I wasn't changing to what the atmosphere around me was doing. You know, I was on a on a pretty heavy jig bite. Um, well, I take that back. I guess I did change it up because... Jig bite died after the weather rolled in, water dirtied up, and I switched over to uh, a big TRD. I was dragging that on the bottom, caught my fish that way. So, you know, I did change it up. But, uh, like I said, dude, that, that trip was a big learning experience. I missed St. Clair uh, just due to work stuff, um, which was fine. Gave me more time to reflect. And then went into Madison Chain. And I was on a mission, dude, like, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to let this happen again. Uh, I'm, I'm going to dominate and, uh, you know, just, just thought super positive, got up pre-fishing, uh, you know, Jay Randall was up there. Maybe that's what my trick is, dude. I got to bring Jay with me. 
<laughs> He's like my good luck charm because he gets all pissed off when I catch good fish in front of him. But uh, did a ton of map study, did a did a ton of research. I mean, Madison Chain is close to my house, um, but I had only fished it a, a couple of times um, with Jay and have done really well anytime I've gone with Jay. And um, I found this area up north and uh, got on fish right away. Great smallmouth bite. And, you know, Jay was there, and at one point during pre-fishing, he was like, really, again, hooked up again? It was like just cast after cast. I would I would hook up with a decent smallmouth and, uh, you know, ended up leaving that spot alone, ventured out to some other areas and uh, scoped it out eventually deciding to go fish that area i found uh day one and uh started off the morning with a banger dude i mean i was leading half the day um yeah but i think that kind of got to my head a little bit and and my bite started to wear off so i like switched spots went way down south whereas if i would have just stuck it out up there i think i could have could have done something you know what i mean but um either way i think i finished eighth eighth or something so again another top 10 finish you know uh catch some checks there i had some big bass i took second in the pro um second in the pro like eighth eighth in the trail well here's here's one thing all right going back to the whole kbf thing I ended up in ninth for that tournament, but officially or unofficially was eighth place. There was an issue where a gentleman couldn't submit his fish to Tourney X, so he submitted him to the Wisconsin Monthly. Um, part of it was due to uh, the times being set on the tournament in Eastern time instead of Central, so it shut off early. And so this dude submitted submits his fish to the Wisconsin Monthly. We're at the weigh-in. They're calling the top ten up, and this dude's like, well, wait a minute. Like, I should have been in the top ten. And they're like, okay, well, hold on, wait a minute. Let's figure this out. Well, from what I understood happened was he uh, submitted his fish to the Wisconsin monthly and just assumed that they would know it should have been for this tournament. However, he didn't state that to any of the tournament directors until submissions were closed, but somehow this dude ended up in second place. Now being a rookie and understanding what happened, that's bullshit. I'm sorry, but that's bullshit in my opinion. Um, that dude, if he had an issue, because that was one of the things that I learned was if you ever have an issue, you need to let the TD know. TD is tournament director. No, right away. Uh, so that way uh, stuff could be corrected. Like when I lost my phone, <laughs> I went back in. It was like half hour, 45 minutes back in to, from my spot found somebody with a phone called the tournament director and was like hey this is my issue uh i do have a gopro can i use that blah 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 got set up 
got it worked out, got my fish submitted, whatever. Now, this guy supposedly, allegedly, let's say that, allegedly, didn't do any of that and just wanted everybody to assume that they knew his fish were supposed to go to that tournament. So for myself and everybody else in that top 10, in my opinion, got cheated. So, again, my opinion, not trying to knock KBF. And that's the thing, too, is, you know, with some of these kayak bass fishing tournaments, you know, you have this uh, a period of time after the tournament ends where you can put in a, uh, like a claim, so to speak, uh, to dispute uh someone's fish that was misjudged uh someone was fishing out of bounds whatever etc etc but now what kayak bass fishing has done is if you want to make a dispute you have to pay a hundred dollars if you win that dispute you get your hundred dollars back if you lose you lose that hundred dollars really which is kind of crap um i get it KBF is a business. Um, they're going to have to spend time on making phone calls, reviewing the evidence, and all that stuff. Time is money, right? So yeah. if if they're having to review that stuff and it's not complacent, like they've just lost all that time. Uh, whereas if you got to pay the hundred dollars, great. However, however. I reached out to somebody higher up in KBF when this all kind of unfolded and I saw the standings change and I said, and that was a thing too, like there's no place where it's listed where you can see what the dispute is that's holding up the tournament. Uh, because obviously if you can't, if if they got disputes, they can't finalize results, which means the guys that got pay, are getting paid can't get paid, right? Which which Chad has come out and said that, you know, they, they've worked on that and stuff. And, and I will admit, from first event till uh, just recently on the Table Rock event, uh, I've gotten paid out pretty quick uh, compared to the first one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's my stipulation there. As far as that regard, like, you know, for me being a rookie, I'm like, well, what the hell, man? Like, yeah, my money payout didn't change between eighth and ninth place. However, I lost some AOI points because of that. So, you know, um, I was kind of frustrated at that uh, just because I was, you know, doing well in AOI points. Um, And, and, you know... uh, you know, one of my goals was to to be up there and try maybe winning Rookie of the Year. Uh, yeah, it was a pipe dream, whatever. But if you're not setting goals for yourself, like, what are you going to achieve? So mm-hmm. that was a frustration of mine. And, and when I reached out to this person higher up in KBF, uh, I was like, hey, uh, I saw that the standings changed. Um, you know, is there a place to see why or what? Uh, had happened why this has changed because if I want to dispute this like is there a way 
oh, sorry, uh, we don't have anything like that. Yeah, I think we should, but sorry, you're SOL, basically. So right. to me, that was kind of frustrating, like super frustrating. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Madison went well. Uh, we had a little bit of a lull there and then went to the Mississippi River. Um, that's right when we started firing up like some other segments here on the podcast, things like that. Uh, I didn't do as much homework as I should have, I think. I mean, I did some homework for sure. Um, I found some fish, but, you know, the river was flooded. Um, the areas I found my fish were on flooded islands. Water came down. Um, overnight like a foot and that pushed my fish out of the spots I was catching them so I struggled uh, I did manage to put together a limit but uh, you know I didn't finish that great kind of shrugged it off like you know it's the best three I still have yeah. one more left to go uh, no big deal and uh, you know it it was what it was uh, scrambled, drove around probably just as much as I fished that day. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of hindered me there. Um, and I think the problem I had there was I spent too much time pre-fishing a certain area. I mean, I did bounce around and check some areas, but I think I spent too much time on this area down south, um, where nobody else was fishing, but I, which was great. But, um, you know, I did catch some good fish there. Um, it just come tournament day, it didn't pan out. Um, go to Mark Twain. And, the, and this is like where, where I really lost my crap, you know, like pre-fished, found good fish, tournament day comes. Phones blowing up by all the paddle and fin guys, you know, sitting on, I was sitting in top five, I think for most of the morning. And I knew like guys were really struggling to find fish down there, but I had found a, a decent bite. And then again, man, like just moved, started scrambling. All I needed was one 12 inch fish. And that would have put me in like seventh place. Instead, I ended up in like 20th. So you know, we always talk about the mental game of tournament fishing, and, like, that's one of the most important things. Like, if you're not there mentally uh, and you start double second-guessing yourself and, you know, just making some bad decisions, that's what's going to cost you a, a good finish in a tournament. Um, so instead of staying on my spot where I had been catching fish, I moved and, like, time's running down and I'm just like tossing the same bait and that was the one thing too is like you know I'd learned early on in the season like I need to keep changing baits till I find something that they're just totally smashing and this and that and uh I just didn't do that when it came down to it and and after talking to Alan Reed after that tournament one of the baits he caught a bunch of his fish on was a bait I had tied up on a rod sitting two feet away from me in the, in the blue sky or a foot right. and a half, but I never picked it up and I never threw it. 
So, you know, it, it, that was a valuable lesson, and that drive home was brutal. It was like a six-and-a-half-hour ride home, and I beat myself up. I remember screaming at the top of my lungs just out of frustration. Like, you know, it's like, again, going back to that AOI race, thinking about money, uh, you know, thinking about rookie of the year, like all this crap. Like I was so worried about that, I forgot about fishing, right, if that makes sense. So it, it was just just super super frustrating and you know it it was what it was uh i just i don't know man like that's when i really sat down after getting home and thinking about it and being done being mad at myself that i couldn't catch a 112 inch fish is when i really started to elaborate on all right well what did i do wrong what could i've done different to change that outcome and you know kind of went through it and you know figured it out like yeah like this is this is what you did wrong uh you know you just didn't change it up you you weren't fishing you were so concerned about all this other stuff you know and i'm a pretty competitive dude so i think that's part of my problem you know i just take take crap a little too seriously sometimes but you know, when you're fishing for that kind of money, you kind of have to. You know what I mean? It's not like your average club tournament of 50 or 50 bucks or whatever. You know, you're paying, you know, 75 for the trail and two something, 200 something for the, the pro. Another 25 bucks for big bass brawl, like all that stuff. So it adds up. Plus the travel. You know, like, like that's that's something, you know, when you I, and I saw a recent thread about this somewhere, uh, you know, when you're fishing a national event, the thread was when you're fishing a national event, what do you figure for money like cost wise? You know, and, and that's the biggest thing. Like I tried to do that at the beginning of the season. And was I wrong? Uh, you know, I kind of did a whole thing like all right this is what gas is going to cost this is what tournament fees are going to cost uh this is what lodging or camping is going to cost uh through some extra money in there for baits things like that you got a fishing license you got to buy all that stuff and it seemed like the consensus was each tournament's going to cost well, most guys said like they usually figure about a thousand bucks a tournament. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something too, man. Like if you're not having some kind of financial backer and you're trying to fund this all yourself, that could be quite a bit of coin trying to fish these national level events. Um, I don't even want to discuss the amount of money I've spent this year um, because it's probably quite a bit. I mean, if I had to throw a ballpark number out there, 8,000 plus, you know, and I got one yeah. left to go, and that's not including that probably. Uh, you know, just just a gas alone, like, like Central Division kind of got screwed, right? Like the closest tournament, tournament for me was Madison. That was 
that's like an hour drive. But I drove up there. I stayed up there. Now, when you're up there and you're pre-fishing, you're driving all around that area. Uh, the next closest was a Mississippi, which was like three and a half hours. Yeah, it was like three and a half. But I had Kansas, which was 12 and a half hours. Then it was like another 10 or 11 over to Tennessee. And then another 10 back home. Uh, Mark Twain was uh, six and a half hours each way. Table Rock was just eight hours each way, you know. And and let's yep. face it, kayak anglers, unless you're Jason Ricketts, you're not driving a Chevy Impala, you know, pull, right. pulling a Malone trailer. You're driving a truck to haul all your gear. Sorry, I had to, you know, put a little jab in there on Ricketts. But, you know, gas gas lodging and food is usually your most expensive things you know like tournament fees ain't nothing compared to that stuff you know so you know i don't know man like so so here's the other thing so the the most recent tournament was the central division championship um you know i fished that uh day one didn't do too too hot i only got four and a half hours of pre-fishing in so yeah i'm gonna claim that that's the biggest reason why i struggled uh i didn't get to check very many areas out check two areas out on a map uh did well in both um however there wasn't the quality of fish i wanted there um and just just bombed day one uh day two uh went out uh, with with one of my Rocktown guys who would put up a damn good limit day one. And I ended up catching big bass of the day, uh, which won me 600 bucks. But that was it. Um, you know, I... So that week, I left my house Wednesday night, drove to La Crosse, Wisconsin, to do uh, an event for Jackson Kayaks. And then immediately left there and was going to head to Mark Twain or uh, Table Rock but between lacrosse and stopping back uh, in town here uh, had some vehicle issues so then I had about three hours of messing around to get another vehicle so I could go back pick up the blue sky and head down to Table Rock uh pre-fished for four and a half hours like drove straight to table rock got there at like 12 30 uh pre-fishing you had to be off the water by five so i you know i didn't have much but you know i stuck it out for day two table rock was a a lake i had always wanted to fish i knew this tournament wasn't going to go good for me um but um you know it was what it was i was going to do what i could do now uh division championship right so you would think like only a certain amount of anglers qualify for that well pretty much anybody that fished one event in the central division qualified for that championship in my eyes not really a championship right that's that's one of my other complaints you know the guy that won and this is in no way to shape or form to knock him or what he accomplished but he fished one tournament that was close to home and 
the championship was on Table Rock, which is one of his home lakes. Super great guy. Excellent fisherman, right? So he fishes that, wins, but the time and money that some of the rest of us had invested into this trail, I kind of feel like we got cheated. Now, uh, thinking about it from KBF's standpoint, they're a business. They had set payouts. They had to come up with a way to hopefully recoup their money, which Central Trail cost them a lot of money this year because they didn't have the turnouts. So, you know, I get it. Like, that was their way of, like, hopefully being able to, you know, break even. Um, But at the same time, like, the guys that invested all their time and money kind of got a middle finger. Like, it wasn't necessarily a championship. It was just another trail event. So that's one of my gripes that I've learned in my rookie season, you know. So was what it was um you know going back to kansas like i felt like after that top 10 finish that took a lot of pressure off of me because it qualified me for the trail championship uh qualified me for the national championship next year and uh you know the regional championship whatever so You know, I got all my qualifications out of the way, which I was kind of worried about. Um, But I think that's just it, too. Maybe maybe some of this stuff is just too easy to qualify for. So, Well, I mean, look at the national championship. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, well, it's cool. It's cool. So so here's the the thing. I'm not trying to cut you off, but national championship, Hoover says that's the spectacle, right, of the sport. That's like their big hoorah to kick off the season every year. And the trail championship is supposed to be the one where the best of the best of the best are featured. However, you look at ways to qualify again – the guys that fished four or five of these events are getting shorted because there's people that only fished one or two events that are qualified for the trail championship. So how is that the best of the best if if because you're letting the top 100 in AOI standings for each region come fish this, how is that the best of the best? should be like the top 20 right like if you want to have a full out championship top 10 top 20 whatever it is for each division should only be allowed to come fish this event however from kayak bass fishing standpoint if they want to make money or or have enough money to support this event they have to allow that to get participation I don't know where you draw that line, um, but to maybe, me, to maybe. me, to me, it's not a true championship, dude. Right? Like, oh yeah. So, so let's talk about that true championship. You know, uh, I've talked about it on the podcast. Uh, just just Monday, did a recap. 
uh, or Air Monday uh, recap from this Crossroads Kayak Bass Team Classic here in the Midwest. And, and that was a real big eye-opener for me. Like the top five AOI from each club uh, got to send their guys to compete for this. That was a championship, right? Yeah. Guys had to work their butt off to get there. Okay, I've worked my butt off all season to get to this trail championship at the end of the year. But the people that just fished a tournament or two can, like, you know, just do whatever. I mean, right. it, how, is, how, it is, how is that fair? How is that a championship? Yeah. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But you pointed out an important factor in regards to this, which was, and this is probably something that was possibly brought up in the past from the anglers of saying, hey, we need better, we want better payouts, you know. So with better payouts came with a set, set dollar amount. And you will, that's going to ride on strictly participation, man. Well, you know, you may not, you're going to have one event that's going to outshine a bunch of other ones because it's within a, a better local distance and that sort of thing. So I get your point on it, dude. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You, you tag the word championship on it and it's really not a championship. It is just another another trail of it right what i was thinking is like what if they did something like this brian and maybe it'll help balance out what that cost is so you know how we have the state challenge series right it's a 30-day thing and that's another weird thing too is that if you have 30 anglers and you <clears throat> you get the top 10 percent. so if it's 30 you got the top three and you win that state online challenge it's 30 days long and you get an invitation to go to the national championship i think that's a little ridiculous i mean it's cool because it gives people a chance to make it but how do you call something a national championship that's even a, like a seasonal season opener like basically it's not even within the same year you know like championship in my eyes that happens at the end of the season sure Sure. So, well, and, you know, and there's tons of guys and you get this thing of where you're talking about the division of like the trail championships and that's the best of the best and the spectacle of the national ch championship. But there's a lot that's put on that angler that wins that. Well, it's a lot well, of exposure that comes out of that. Here's the thing, too. Right. So so this is where some of the frustration comes from for me. So each trail event, they withhold money that is supposed to go for the national trail championship which is mm -hmm. coming up here so you've withheld my money from five tournaments now joe schmo the angler has only fished two and he's only getting money withheld from his two now he gets to compete for my five pieces of the pie when right. he only put up two right how is that fair? Right. How? I, I I just don't know. I don't understand. And you know what? Uh, angler responsibility, right? This was all drawn out at the beginning of the year. However, you know, I figured there'd be better participation. Um, but, you know, it, it it's... I don't mean to knock KBF, dude. I'm just, I'm just stating what I've learned in my rookie year. Right. The problems that I see, um, you, you know, and things like that. I mean, you know, unfortunately, 
Hoover said himself, like this national trail championship at the end of the season is going to be for the best of the best. So how is that possible if you're letting the top 100 anglers from every freaking region come compete right. in this thing? That ain't the right. best of the best. That's just everybody that competed this year. You know, and that was the thing, too. Like, in a private conversation, I was talking to somebody when I was at Table Rock, and uh, they were there. They fished one event, didn't even submit a fish, and they qualified. Right. But you had a guy like me who's traveled around the country spending thousands of dollars has to compete against a guy that didn't even submit a fish. How How is that a championship? Like, I don't get it. So, yeah. sorry, man. I didn't mean to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> like, no, but that's what we need to, we need to look at. You know, they, they're making changes to the upcoming season. And, well, you know, and this is a lot of it's based off of the pro tour issue and that sort of thing, which, sure, which I completely understand. So. so, so let's talk about that, right? Cause you wanted to talk about plans for next year. I think with a lot of this stuff coming to light and more tournament options being out there, bigger buy-ins, things like that, you're going to see a lot more people competing at the club level than you will the national level. Yes, it's nice that there's so many options out there. However, what it's going to do is drown out the participation, in my opinion. And I'm, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. You know, you got the Hobie series. You got KBF. There's supposedly some other series starting up from BASS or, or uh, MLF or something along those lines. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's just going to – guys are going to have to choose. Am I going to go fish this event or am I going to go fish that event? The one thing I was happy to see was that, you know, Hoover and AJ, who runs uh, uh, the Hobie, Hobie series, they sat down and they tried to make it so their schedules didn't conflict. I know there was one event that conflicted, and immediately somebody was like, oh, I thought you guys were going to work this out. Well, you know, it's not that easy, bro. Like, yeah. but I don't know, man. Um you know, Pro Series is going to be standalone this year, which is the way it should be. Uh, I love it. Uh, what I don't love is it screws everybody in the north, in the west, in the northeast, because, uh, what, four out of the six are down south? Yeah. You know, starts off in Florida, then goes to Louisiana. Then South Carolina, and then there's another one down there, and then I think it's like Kentucky Lake and one in Wisconsin. So I don't know. Um, I'm I'm kind of shocked they didn't at least put one at St. Clair or Erie. Yeah, here I could, I could I could tell you exactly what it is. Um, let me find schedule here real quick so while you're looking that up then do you think uh like is there would there be a way though that you could get 
the funds in through KBF, kind of like how they had to this year. You know, like you were saying, like this one guy puts in for the, you know, one tournament and gets a championship. How can we offset that, that cost to get those those buyout or those payouts to stay the same? Would, well, would see, something like maybe a KBF, like actual trail per state, you know, no, like I think, instead I think, of our local guys? I think it? the problem is, is they got too many loopholes in their system, right? If if you leave it to where you only have to fish one or two tournaments to qualify for championships where the bigger money's at, instead of competing in all the events or being allowed to miss one of the events, guys are going to work that loophole. They're only going to fish the ones closer to their house. Like, right. which, hey, man, if I would have known that, I'd, I wouldn't have freaking traveled all over the country and fished all this other stuff. I would have just fished the local club. I would have fished Madison Chain, gone down and fished Table Rock, and then fished, uh, you know, the National Trail Championship up here on the Mississippi River. So, you know, that's just it. So, so here you go, KBF Pro Tour, right? Starts off end of February in Florida. Then two weeks later, it's in Louisiana. Then uh, end of April, so you got like a month and a half off, goes to South Carolina. And then you're looking at like two weeks later, it's in Arkansas. And then you got another month and a half off, it's in northern Wisconsin. And then two weeks later, you're on Kentucky Lake. So that travel alone, unless you live in the southeast, is going to be ridiculous. Now, here's the other problem, too. I think it's you only have to fish two events to qualify for the Pro Tour Championship. So, again, like we're, we're getting this loophole. So guys that live down south are only going to fish Florida and Louisiana or South Carolina. Uh, guys that are living kind of in the Midwest um, or the central Midwest are going to fish Arkansas and Kentucky Lake. Guys in the north are going to probably fish Wisconsin and Tennessee. You know, the guys that really get screwed are the guys in the northeast. There's nothing close to them besides Kentucky Lake and then driving even further south to South Carolina. So that's just it. Like, and I know half of these are run in conjunction with FLW tournaments. So, and let's face it, like I had a long conversation with Sam Jones about this, you know, about are we going to fish the Pro Tour next year? Because... If you look at the FLW, BASS schedules, all that stuff, most of those tournaments are down there in the, the southeast. Um, so you look at where a lot of professional anglers live, it's in the southeast, so they don't have the travel. You right. know, does that mean now i got to move to the southeast to compete in a pro tour for the kayak series? Like, sorry, bro, just not happening. Or... You know, their trail series now is three trail events in a championship. 
you know, I might fish one trail event so I could qualify for the championship, which is only two and a half, three hours from me. Right. I don't know. You know, um, I'm not excited about that, that central trail series or north central trail series. I mean, I don't know, man. A lot, a lot of thoughts going into this stuff, you know. Um, my mind jumps around all over the place thinking about it. You know, and that's the thing, too, is, like, the pro tour, they're talking, uh, you know, originally it was it was going to be $500 event. All right. Then I saw 350 and then possibilities of a little less. You know, so they're going to play play in to whatever they can get participation for, which it shouldn't be that. Like, you know, do, do you see FLW, BASS, MLF going, well, MLF's totally different structure, and I love the way they do their stuff. Um, but do you see BASS and FLW going, Oh, well, these guys don't want to pay $500 an event, so let's drop it to this. No. It's, you want to fish this? You fish this. And and that's the thing, too, is like FLW, they have their tournament uh, schedule. They figure out entry level for each tournament. You have to pay your entry to each tournament up front. And you don't get to pick and choose when you're on that pro level. You are set into fishing all of those. Yeah, you can miss it, but you're not getting your money back for that. All right. So, you know, that's where I would like to see this go. Because then you know what your participation is. You know what your payouts are going to be for every tournament stop and things like that. And then KBF isn't losing money out of their pocket like they did on the Central Trail this year. So, I don't know. What do you do? If you're if you're Josh Eldridge and you're running KBF, what do you do? You know, um, I mean, to be honest, right now it's it's hard to say um, because it's so new. You're talking about leagues that have been established for quite some time. Um, you're talking about a whole lot more money involved, a whole lot more sponsors involved. <clears throat> you know, I don't think that uh, KBF is necessarily getting uh, money. Like, you know, this isn't being televised. There's television contracts that help pay for that. You well, know? Uh, yes and no. Like, so, you know, Hoover's got his television station or TV show. Um, but there there isn't a ton of money in tv right but the there's the, still- the money comes from sponsors so you right. don't have toyota for gmc sponsoring kbf um you got yak attack jackson the- kayak bonafide like these small like you know, in the kayak fishing communities, we, we hear names like Jackson and Bonafide and, and Native Watercraft and Old Town and all this, and we think they're these big companies, and they're really not. You know, um, that's the thing. Um, until you get, you know, they, they got DZ involved, uh, which is a little bit bigger company. Uh, 
which is great. DZ has put up some cash uh, for both the, um, the FLW Open and Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think they're sponsoring the Trail Championship. They sponsor the Ten Invitational. So you got a company like that that's interested or, 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 or helping support this. You know, but until you get some of these bigger nationally named companies that are multi-million dollar companies, you're not going to see the MLF, FLW, BASS type money in this. You know, the the way it's set up right now, like, sure, you could be a professional kayak angler. and, And that's the thing, too, I'll say is like last Last fall, I was like, yeah, I'm going full bore, you know, and and I really rethought that. And, you know, I explained what what I thought it was to make it in the kayak fishing industry uh, on that Aaron Steiger interview is working for one of these kayak companies or or accessories companies uh, doing a media outlet like we're doing right here, something like that. <coughs> but. To be a full-on professional tournament angler, like, it's... Impossible. It's it's not happening unless you're living out of your vehicle or you're doing it like uh, Christine and AJ are, you know? They're living in a travel trailer, traveling around the country, uh, fishing tournaments. But if you're not cashing checks, you know, the fact that, you know, you, you know they do have some supplemental income coming in that definitely helps but without that like you're screwed you know what i mean so uh yeah man it's not like you could just drop everything and go support a family traveling the road fishing tournaments you know so i don't know man i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do next year i mean yes i'd i'd like to fish the pro tour but if i fish the pro tour it's only gonna be the pro tour you know, I'm not going to be able to fish my club level events, uh, things like that. Or it's fish a couple local clubs, try qualifying for this Crossroads Kayak Bass Team Classic, and go fish a true championship, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, do I think the Pro Tour Championship's going to be a championship? Pretty much, because you're not going to have the people that are just scooting in on these low budgets, it's going to be the top anglers that know they can show up and compete fishing in those events. Um, you know, which, you know, that's, that's the type of format I'm looking for. So I don't know. Just my thoughts. I dig it. (laughs) You didn't have very much input on this, Josh. Oh, because I'm a tournament angler. So, you know, that's kind of what it comes down to. I've fished a couple local tournaments and, you know, I got, I got a tiny taste of how my, I am as a person. I, I'm a competitive person as well, but, um, when it comes to fishing, I saw real quick how fishing a tournament can take the fun out of fishing for me personally. Not everybody's like this. This isn't anything against tournament fishing. It's just my behavior, my reaction. And, uh, you know, I, I was just doing a simple, uh, or even like the 
small cow and lake tournaments I did and stuff like that, man. I, I, uh, I'm really bad about being prepared for it. Um, a lot of my fishing comes like when I'm like, all right, I'm going to go fishing and I grab my stuff and I go, you know? Um, so I, I don't know how to read lake maps. I don't know any of that stuff. So tournament fishing is not a good idea for me. I, I don't have the patience nor the time to put in the research for it. Um, I respect people that do. I think it's amazing. I think I'd be a better angler if I could, uh, sit down and do that once in a while, you know, even on small trips I do personally, you know, a little bit of research will go a long way. A little bit of research for Dale Hollow. Um, you know, I kind of read a little bit of stuff. Uh, was I completely successful? Not by any means, but you know, I caught a good uh, smallmouth while I was down there. You know, sure, Justin sure. found a completely different bite with largemouth in the weeds, and it killed it. And but I kind of set a different goal for myself when I went out there. But that's beside the point. But going back to the tournament thing, I did the online um, state challenge. You know, I started out hot. Uh, I had 18 and a half inch fish flop off my board and mind you I'm fishing rivers uh, not lakes um, that flopped off my board I went caught a 20 inch fish in which my camera failed another smallmouth out of the river um, and then the following couple days later I went out and lost probably three 18 inch fish um, to either break offs or um, you know then thrown the lures so and every time that it happened, I find myself sitting there screaming in the middle of the water at myself or whatever, you know, a bunch of profanities. And, and I kind of realized I'm like, man, that for me, the tournament aspect of it took it, uh, took a lot of the fun out of it. Now, mind you, that's where I'm sitting there by myself. I'm fishing an online tournament. I'm not around anybody else. So, I mean, I caught the 20 with Brad and them and that actually wasn't as bad it sucked at the time but because i was hanging out with my friends and fishing and everything it was not not as bad but the other times when i was by myself i found myself overreacting really bad to the situation um i so that's kind of why i'm a little weary about getting like really in depth with tournament fishing i i'll still do it occasionally for the fun of it to get together with people and have a good time because that's more important to me in the long run you know, I, I personally don't really care where I stand as a fisherman compared to other people because I know that I'm not that good anyways. Like, you know, like I just want to go out and have fun. If I can learn from somebody else, that's cool. If they can learn something from me, that's cool too, you know. But that's just that's just me personally. Like I think, I think when it comes down to it is just, you know, whether you like tournament fishing or not, you know, no tournament fishing, it Either way, just keep in mind, keep it fun. You know, don't let it, don't let it distract you from the, the real reason that you're out there. And that's for the enjoyment of being outdoors and fishing in general. You know, absolutely. Uh, the tournament aspect is has been put in place to just make it competitive, but to keep it still fun. And if you right. start getting too serious about that, and it starts messing with your head then you need to maybe reevaluate your situation and you know because i saw i saw you you know get down you know a few times especially towards the end because you were worried about stupid things like angular of the year and i think you lost your focus of what really was important and that was that you're going out there to have fun you met new friends you know sure. you met new people you you had a lot of experiences you got to go to a, a lake that was on your bucket list you know and 
Well, and that's just that it, right? So if you want to just go out and have fun and meet some people that have a, uh, a like interest, fish one of your local clubs. There's so many out there. Um, you know, we cover some of them on the reel down. But just, like, go and Google search kayak fishing club in, in your state or whatever. And yeah. that's where you'll really develop and see if if this is set out for you, like tournament fishing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's where you go out, you have fun, you have a good time. Um, you start fishing the national stuff, that's where you're going to find more of a challenge. Um, you're definitely going to be competing against the best of the best. And it's really going to determine where you fall as far as uh, your level of angler. Um, you know, and there's also but, there's also a big financial commitment to yeah, doing that. Financial commitment, um, financial commitment, uh, bigger mental struggles. Like it's it's not all about going out, meeting new people, and having fun. But if you want to try making a name for yourself in the community like that's a great place to go and do it it's on a national yeah. scene like you want to go after big paid sponsorships and stuff like that and try making a name for yourself to find a a home for you in this industry that's what you got to do that's the sacrifices you got to make um you know um it's not all sunshine and rainbows when you're competing on the national level, you know? So right. that's just it, man. And I give kudos to all those that do and do it well. Like there's a lot of stress, um, a lot of, like you said, financial commitment, just commitment in general uh, to, to, to go out week after week and compete uh, against the best of the best. Like, just straight up like it's it's not an easy thing to do it could be very frustrating at times but you know if you if you're not even sure and and here's one thing i will say about monthlies unless you got a honey hole that produces monsters and you know how to catch them uh it's hard to win a monthly you know what i mean yeah unless you're catching it at the beginning of the season or the end of the season where the participation isn't there. Like fall right now, you have a lot of guys going out hunting, so they're not fishing. So you're going to see the participation less, um, you know, in the spring when it's the colder months, especially in the north. Uh, a lot of guys aren't going to want to jump in their kayak and go out fishing. So you're going to have less participation, which means a better chance at winning. Um you know, if you just want something to do to go out and practice, catch photo release, do a monthly. Like, who cares where you end up in the standings? Like, don't right. do it for the money. Do it for the practice of catching your fish, taking a photo on your bump board, releasing that fish, and uploading it to the platform. Um, right. You know, that's the best, best practice. So, you know. I mean, we could go down a million wormholes with this whole tournament scenario. Just, just catch photo release only. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you know, everybody's got a system on how they do it. Like, develop your own system, get a bunch of practice. But I think, like you said, dude, you you touched on the most key point. Like, 
we're out there to have fun and fish like do what we love and as competitive anglers me myself personally lose focus on that a lot of times and and that was the thing like going into table rock uh just recently i knew i wasn't going to be able to perform i you know never seen that lake except through pictures and video games and and you know did some homework and uh wasn't going to have time to pre-fish i was like i'm going down here to fun fish i don't care if i catch you know oh, oh cash checking limit um you know yeah i i got fortunate dude i caught a huge smallmouth that you know paid me back some of my stuff but you know whatever man it was what it was but i had a great time dude i spent time with my friends down there uh got to fish uh, a body of water i've always wanted to fish uh got to uh meet people personally that i've talked to numerous times uh you know over the phone or through facebook things like that so i mean you know that's just it like i don't know man i don't know i you just proceed with caution do your homework figure out where everything's going to be at for you and kind of go from there right so all righty what's that i said all righty you got any other questions revolving this around the subject <laughs> no i think we covered it man i think you nailed it you know it's um you know but it's it'll be interesting to see what you do next year you know yeah um it does suck with it but i personally man i would see and this is just from my own opinion on the outside as being your friend I think you would have much more enjoyment and it would be a little bit more relief and easier on you to see you do like your one of the like the KBL or one of those leagues and do the crossroads. I think it would be yeah. something that you would enjoy yeah. seeing you down there and, you know, helping kind of run things, not run things, but, you know, you helped help behind the scenes of all that. And I, yeah, it really looked like you were having a really good time. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude. I had a blast down there. Um, met a lot of great people, a lot of great folks, you know, that's the thing, dude, like that club level stuff. Um, it's not, I mean, it's competitive, but it's not, as cutthroat as it is in the national level. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I mean, I'm kind of torn. Um, I'd love to do both. Um, I, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, it's still yet to be determined. I guess I have till like basically January to make up my mind, but that's something I will say too, is like, you know, I, I had, some things set up going into this season that didn't necessarily work out the way I thought it would, uh, as far as like, you know, uh, financials, uh, personal stuff back home, things like that. Um, you know, it, that's the thing too. Like, you know, you're spending time away from your family. I already spent enough time away from my family doing, all the other endeavors I'm involved in. So, you know, that's the thing too, 
which you know that didn't necessarily play a role on on my tournament year um i had the full backing of my family which was unbelievable but you know uh work life stuff things like that didn't work out the way i thought it would um but it was what it was dude and you just kind of you know recoup and you know try to plan ahead for next season now like going into it and knowing what's up and all that good stuff so we'll see how that plays out man you know um yeah but all right sounds good we'll be we'll be waiting for your answer oh yeah you'll be the first to know (laughs) i probably will because i'll call you that day yeah All right, Brian, it's been good, man. All right, guys. Well, with that being said, don't forget to check out the website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Head up on there to the uh, store tab. Check out all the paddle and fin gear. Uh, Check out all the blogs everybody's putting up, our bios, things like that. If you got a question, comment, want to hear more about subject like this or something else, feel free to reach out at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to go to whatever platform you're listening to us on and give us a five-star review. It helps others find this podcast, um, you know, just like you did. So it'll pop up in their suggestions. Ratings definitely help. Uh, don't forget to follow us on our social media at Paddle and Finn. Um, shout out to our show sponsors, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, and Jig Master Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Yeah, buddy. Don't forget about the plastic recycling program. Take your used beat up plastic baits, put them in a little envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man, Eric Richards, out there at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, donates them to Heroes on the Water. Awesome thing. Till next time. Till next time. Tight line. Tight line. Smooth, Smooth paddling. What's up, boys and girls? Just wanted to take a quick minute to talk to you about the Paddle and Fin gear. If you haven't seen it yet, go to Paddle, the letter N, and Fin.com. Go click that store tab at the top. Check out the store. We got tons of t-shirt designs, long sleeves, hoodies, phone cases. You name it, it's on there. Give it a gander.